proclaiming the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, preparing a people for the kingdom of heaven, preserving a posterity for the glory of God. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Key of David, brought to you by the Washington of the Wall Ministries. My name is Charles. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to continue the devotional series based on the subject of grace and how grace works in a believer's life, during a believer's life, to ensure that the life that a believer lives is filled with God's promises, God's security, and God's love, and not just a get-out-of-hell-free card. On the day of Pentecost in 31 AD, in the first inspired sermon of the New Testament church, the Apostle Peter spoke in Jerusalem to several thousand people after which they became convicted of their part in killing Jesus the Messiah. Thousands asked Peter and the other disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This is found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Here's what I, Peter's opportunity to tell them that they did not need to do anything more than trust or believe in God. But he didn't say that. What he did say then Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter proclaimed wonderful news, that sinners could be forgiven of their sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was for this to occur that he insisted on two points, that they must repent and that they must subsequently be baptized. If you have been listening to Peter, grieving over your part in Christ's death and wanting to change your life and receive forgiveness, what would you have done? Would you have argued with Peter saying, I won't repent, I won't be baptized, because those are works and I don't have to earn my salvation? If you had responded that way, you would have been arguing against many of God's plain instructions, including these three basic New Testament teachings. One, of course, no one can earn their salvation. But a willful disobedience to God's instructions is a sure sign that you have not truly repented. So how do you did how did the crowd respond to the first day of Pentecost in the New Testament church? Scripture shares the wonderful news. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. On that day, 3,000 new Christians obeyed God's instruction. They repented and they were baptized. They did as Jesus had told all Christians to do. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And that's found in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. When we repent of sin, we are deeply sorrow, sorry for having transgressed God's law. We no longer have a hostile attitude toward God and its laws of liberty. We no longer have a carnal attitude that it is enmity against the laws of God. After repentance, we want to be in harmony with God's law of love, the Ten Commandments. Repentance brings a deep change in our thinking and a commitment to live by every word of God. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, 
by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's found in Luke 4, 4. Repentance is more than an intellectual awareness of sin. Genuine repentance brings deep sorrow for our sin. Think of the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears in Luke chapter 7 when she showed her deep repentance. We should be aware that there is also a worldly sorrow that is not genuine repentance. Notice Paul acknowledging the Corinthians' repentance. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow did not lead to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Some criminals express worldly sorrow, outward saying, outwardly saying that they are sorry for their crimes, their sins. When in fact they are inward, inwardly saying, I'm sorry for getting caught. I'm sorry for suffering the penalty of my crime, but if I get a chance to commit another crime, I will. And it is not only criminals who have this worldly sorrow. Many who become addicted to oppressive and unhealthy habits, such as sexual sin, drug abuse, and misuse of alcohol, may feel a kind of sorrow, regretting the consequences that come from their behavior. However, without genuine change of heart and a lasting change of behavior, their continuing sin will result in death. And that's where the sorrow of the world leads. Godly sorrow, however, true repentance, brings different and better fruit. Notice its characteristics as described in Scripture. For observe this very thing, that your sorrowing is a, in godly manner. What a diligence it produces in you. What clearing of yourself, what indignation of fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, and what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear of this manner. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11. We must act differently once we have truly repented. When a Pharisee asked Jesus Christ to name the greatest commandment, how did he respond? He stated, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second one is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And that's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. As we learned to think that like God, we will also learn to act like God. If we think that we have been saved, but we continue to practice sin with no change in attitude or behavior, we have not genuinely repented. Psalm 51 is David's acknowledgement of his sin, and reading that psalm will help you to understand repentance more deeply. Notice that David did not ask for justice. Justice for David would have meant the death penalty, because the Bible states the wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 6.23. Rather, in his repentant attitude, David asked for mercy. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to your multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse my heart from sin. Psalm 51 verses 1 and 2. Yes, David acknowledged his sin. 
He prayed earnestly for God to cleanse him. Have you ever prayed that way? David went on to pray, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found when just when you speak and blameless when you judge. That's verses 3 and 4. How did David sin only against God? David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had sent Bathsheba's husband, the soldier Uriah, to the front lines to be killed. Certainly David had sinned against them as well. But God commands, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. That's in Exodus 20, verses 13 and 14. David had sinned against the lawgiver and earned the death penalty. David's repentance sets an example for us all. We all need to be humble and contract in our attitude. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, these you will not despise. Psalms 51 17. When someone is truly born again, he will be a different person. They will repent, they will live and lead a different life. This is how real grace works in a believer's life. Let us pray. Father, we come to you thanking you for this time. Thanking you, Father, for real grace, that costly grace, God, that cost your son's life. And how, Lord, if we really receive costly grace, it will cause in us a repentance, Father, a change of direction, a new way of living, God, it will lead us to be more like Jesus every day. It's not enough to be sorry for our sins. We must be sorry enough to want to quit doing the things that displease you. Father, I pray that each and every person that hears this podcast, hears this devotional, has true repentance in their heart. That they're not only sorry for being sinful, they're not only sorry for being caught, but they're sorry enough to quit living according to the disobedience of God, but live according to the obedience of your word. Help us to live different lives, to shine the light of God's love to those around us, to be light and salt to this world. In doing so, we will also lead others to that true grace, which brings true repentance in our hearts. We praise you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you have enjoyed today's devotional. Please continue to listen this week as we continue the devotional series on the on the subject of grace and repentance. And it is my prayer, it is the prayer of the Key of David of the Watchman of the Wall Ministries that each and every person listening to this repents for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.